In the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to participate. To, I'm sorry, to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No person attendance of, of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Method or Method Community Media website an audio or video recording, transcript, or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. So you have the motion of Council Morel to suspend the rules, seconded by. Second. Vice President Caviello, Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. <coughs> to suspend. suspend. Council Bears. Yes. yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. yes. Council Morel. Yes. yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The rules are suspended. Councilor Morrell. Uh, motion to take paper 20-672 out of order. I know uh, Anne-Marie with the Medford Streets program uh, is only able to be on for the earlier part of the meeting. I'm sorry, 20-672? Yes. Please, this is communications from the mayor. Uh, December 1st, 2020, to President John Falco and honorable members of the Memphis City Council from Brianna Longo, current mayor. Regarding licensing of food trucks, dear President Falco and members of the Memphis City Council, I respectfully request that the City Council approve the following list of food trucks for events that are scheduled for the coming months Due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the city's temporary policies limiting events and gatherings, the attached application includes some unique considerations which have been reviewed and approved by my office as well as the Board of Health. Method Streets updated request. Location and dates to be determined by resident request, seeking up to five locations between November and March, uh, requesting one lunch and or dinner and one dessert truck per location uh, and or date. Thank you for your consideration. Respectfully submitted, Mayor Brianna Longo Kern. Council Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. It's my understanding that Amory uh, Eigner would be is on the call. I, she's behind this program. I think she can speak uh, more specifically into what they're seeking. <clears throat> Mr. President. Uh, Councilor uh, Council Knight. Yeah, I do believe this paper was before the council previously, and the council said we have no problem with uh, entertaining the idea, provided that they provide us with the dates and locations right. as to when these food trucks are going to be operating in our community. Okay. Thank you, Council Knight. I believe you are correct in that. Um, did you say, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Council Morrell, did you say someone was on the call that? Yeah, it's Anne Marie um, Eigner, A, A I G N E R. Um, and I think it's just that their request has been updated. Oh, just and the mayor has her hand up. So let's see. Uh, 
May I go cast out of order, though? Thank you. I don't know if Inri's on the call, but I know Jackie Peaks, our communications director, is on the call, as well as myself. And this is something that I believe was approved by the city council months ago. Thank you very much. Um, it wasn't taken advantage of, so we're asking for the extension of the up to five dates um, per resident request. And we ask for your approval of that tonight. Okay, thank you. I don't recall voting Jack, in favor of this. Just Jack, to, I don't recall voting in favor of this. I don't recall voting in favor of this paper, Mr. President, previously. I don't, I, I don't know. Or it was I'm... contingent upon them submitting the dates to us for further review, to dates and locations for further review, but it wasn't something that we said, yeah, okay, do it. Just go five locations anytime you want. We still wanted to know the dates and times and locations. Okay, and this paper tonight doesn't provide that either. Right. Um, and I try to... Jackie Peaks, do you want, would you like to speak on this issue? Jackie? Jackie looks like she might be having some technical issues. Press. Uh, Vice President Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, I, I, um, I, I remember this coming up before, and I, I thought we, we voted in favor, but um, I wasn't sure. But um, I, I don't have any problem voting for this. I'm a little confused. Uh, who comes out to food trucks between November and March? I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I want it to be successful, but you know, who's going to be standing out in, you know, in January outside freezing with a food truck? That's, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, that, that's my only question. Like I, say, I, 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 want to, I want to see the thing be successful, but how successful are you going to be between you know, the coldest months of the year? Mm -hmm. you know, and standing in someone's driveway, a, a, a parking, a standing in the snow with a food truck. That's, that's really my only question. I mean, you know. Thank you, Vice President Caviello. Councilor Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. I, yeah, I did speak with Anne-Marie, um, and I know a few uh, just food trucks are operating this way in that they're taking all orders ahead of time. Um, so it's really people placing orders ahead of time online. People come out to the food truck. It's a, you know, a, a contactless handoff to get their meals, social distancing, waiting, or if not, they are given actually their own individual time slot to pick it up. So it's not, the idea is it doesn't operate like your standard um, food truck event where you come up and you order, but people are ordering ahead to, to take in mind um, COVID precautions, and I believe um, there has been an interest just because it's it's really just another way to kind of get get takeout um, in these times. Okay, thank, thank you, Councilor Morrell. Councilor Knight. Um, oh, oh, we we just lost the audio connection. So uh, I'm here for a meeting. I'm not here for a TV show. I, I know I'm not either. But um, okay, so he's working on that. Please continue. Um, so, Mr. President, ultimately, I believe the food truck licensing process was established as a pilot program, if I'm not mistaken, um, well before my time on the council. And I guess my question is, has this application process changed now? Uh, I mean, are we doing things differently than we were previously based upon the nature of the applications? And if so, maybe that's something we need to talk about because uh, the council has prioritized the, the food truck ordinance is something that we want to uh, look at moving forward on through the uh, ordinance subcommittee, Mr. President. Um, so if there's any changes to the application process that's going on, it might be nice for us to know about that as well so that as we um, begin uh, further discussions on the food truck ordinance, we can have some of the inputs uh, that the administration's had uh, based upon the applications and the nature of requests that they've seen over the course of the last year or so. Thank you, Council Knight. Councilman Scott Pelley. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Again, I, I think that I, for beginning, I think this is uh, uh, moving forward to initiate the the involvement in food trucks in our community, I think that 
it's important. Um, I think that you're seeing that as a positive trend, um, uh, and I think it's important to add this aspect to our community. But again, my biggest concern, especially with the um, with the dire issues with our brick and mortar buildings right now, uh, approving approving five dates without certainty, um, I think it, it falls into the confusion that I have is taking taking business away from those organizations that are already that are, that are drowning right now. So th these are the questions that we had. That's why I believe it was in it was in uh, committee with the ordinance so we could talk about this and vet it out properly because I. Like I said, I'm not against the food trucks. I think it's important. I, I would love to see someday an area where, you know, we we line, you know, 20 food trucks down a, in a certain area, like they do in other communities, and uh, followings come out to that area. But when you're talking about what's happening, um, even right now with the governor's um, order of, of 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 restaurants and the limitations of people at a table, putting a food truck on a busy weekend day next to a establishment in Method Square and instead of people take, doing takeout out of that area to keep them going and bring in a food truck that might not even be part of um, even registered in Medford. I, I, I think that um, I find that a problem right now. So I, I can't, I wouldn't support this right now. I, I think it's important that we, we establish what we, what we wanted to do if there's a date if there are events that the mayor is asking for, that's what we've done in the past. Until we finalize this, until we get through this pandemic, until our brick and mortar um, establishments are on solid ground again, I, I, I apologize, but I just, as much as I like it, I, I just, there's too many variables right now that I get weighing against my decision to vote in favor of anything tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Council Scott Pelly. Uh, we have um, Jackie Peaks. Jackie, I'm going to try to unmute. Oh, there you go. Hi, is that working? Yes. Okay, sorry. I um, For some reason, there was uh, sound issues with Zoom um, initially, so I couldn't hear what you were saying at the very beginning, and I apologize. Um, Anne-Marie is here and can provide much more detail on the application. Um, and I, again, apologize. I don't know what the initial questions were, but just to provide some context for the initial application that um, came through, I believe it was in June or July, um, and this is again just an extension of that. Um, what her, what the streets program is seeking to do is, by resident request, they would um, bring a truck to a residential area. We'd we'd worked with them um, on their application and sort of specified um, working in residential neighborhoods as much as possible. Um, and per the council's request, initially we had heard. Um, some questions to come back and clarify the specific date. Um, and based on what the program is designed to do, it's by resident request, which they may not have at this moment in time. Um, so what we've asked Anne Marie and her team to do is if there is a resident request, they would come back to us, we would alert the council as to the proposed date and location, and that's how that would um, proceed me, if the council would agree to that. Um, and I think, um, you know, this is, uh, again, I would defer to Emory for details of the program. I would also just um, like to mention that more recently, um, the street team has uh, been reaching out to schools and PTAs and sort of working with schools to provide additional support where, you know, families may need um, fundraising and things like that. So 
um, they are willing to, you know, they would like to work with the community and support the community in, in various ways as well. Um, but again, I would defer to Anne-Marie on details. Uh, point of information, Mr. Okay, Point of information, Council and I. I certainly appreciate their willingness and desire to um, want to work with the community. We have a number of great establishments in Medford, like Razzo's Restaurant, for example, that does great work here in the community. Um, you know, this councilor just uh, recognized Richie for the work he does and his philanthropy here in the community. Um, so, you know, we have a number of businesses that want to do good things for the people that live here that are based here in this community as well. Um, I did hear that um, the way this is, is they want a blanket permit and then they want to come back to the council to tell us when they're coming. Well, that's pretty much the way it works right now. If you want to come, you just tell us what the date is and the time is, and you come before the council with your application, and we'll hear it. So I'm a little confused as to why we're changing the process when the process has seemed to work pretty well in the past. And if, you know, it's like not like they're going to come if they don't know there are people here that are going to buy it. It sounds like it's pretty much just, does your neighborhood want to do delivery from this pizza place today? Because this pizza place will come to your neighborhood with the truck and bring you the food. Um, you know, so with that being said, Mr. President, I'm looking at this and I'm kind of saying, you know, we're changing the process now. Um, it seems like the process that we've had in place previously is a process that would work just fine. They have a date, a time, and a location that they want to go to a neighborhood, come before us, petition us, and we'll vote on it. Um, but a blanket permit uh, in, in the changing of the material application of the food truck pilot program, which shouldn't be called the pilot program anymore because it's been in place for like nine years, um, you know, is ultimately problematic to me. And I, this is a paper that, you know, I don't think we need to deviate from the way we've been doing things, Mr. President. I don't think this makes it um, any better for the community, any, any more protections for our business community. Um, just based upon what I'm hearing right now, maybe my mind can be changed and I can be swayed. Um, but, you know, I just kind of am starting to get the feeling that it's like it doesn't matter what the rules say. We're just doing anything however we feel like doing it right now. And then when anybody says anything about it, it's coronavirus. Um, so I'm a little confused by the, why, the way the application process has changed and the way that the criteria has changed. Um, with that being said, I'm not opposed to food trucks in our community. I think we should have an ordinance and I think we should allow them. Um, but I think it needs to be tightened up a little bit more than what we have here presently. Um, the proposed ordinance is far more restrictive than what's been outlined in this document right here. For example, um, the proposed ordinance would say that um, if you're going to be located within 200 yards of a brick and mortar establishment, you have to get their permission to locate there. Um, so there are some things I think that, you know what I mean, we, safeguards that we can put into the community and that's what we've been working on through the ordinance. Um, so, you know, when I look at this, I, I, it's not something that I'm comfortable supporting this evening right now, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Councilor Knight. So we have uh, Anne-Marie with us. Uh, Anne-Marie, can we have your name and address for the record? I'm going to unmute you right now. There you go. Yes, hi, uh, thank you. And thank you, Councilor, and thank you, Councilors. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie, for your for your uh, weighing in. Um, bottom line, we're not trying to replace anybody at all. We're trying to offer your neighbors and your residents and your much quarantined and beleaguered residents another dining opportunity. That's all. We support the restaurants. We don't want to be instead of the restaurants. We don't, you're correct, these are small businesses. They, they, you're right, they don't pay taxes, but they're a delivery is at this point. Um, and neither does Amazon, neither does, you know, Uber Eats, neither do some of the other delivery services. But regardless, they try to support the residents. It's starting with the neighbors, and that's why it's called neighborhood streets. Um, we go where we're invited 
and I believe we've been invited at least since April to neighborhoods that are just looking for another dining option. That's all. And while also supporting small businesses. In addition, we are now reaching out to PTOs and PTAs, recognizing that they have very limited fundraising opportunities. And just today, we raised several hundred dollars for a PTA in Belmont. And we wanted to do that in Medford. We respect the rules. We understand we are simply another option, a neighborhood option for residents. And that's all we were meant to be. Um, and I think there are many people who will go to a restaurant, many people who will cook at home, many people who will order a pizza, and many people who might say, wouldn't it be nice to have a, a, a way to safely order, pre-order a meal, come pick it up and go home and eat it. And it's cooked. And that's all we were meant to be. I don't know if anybody has any questions for me. Thank you, Amory. And, and if I may, Amory, just uh, as a administrative matter, we just need your name and address. The clerk needs your name. Oh, I apologize for that. My name is Anne Marie Eigner, uh, 66 Ralph Street, Watertown, 02472. And I represent Food Truck Ventures um, and the Neighborhood Streets Program and the uh, Streets for Schools Program. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. And I, I don't uh, think anyone behind this reel uh, thinks this is a bad idea. I think what I'm hearing from my colleagues is that in the past when we approved food trucks, uh, we always got date and location. And I would feel more comfortable that uh, we revisit this when there's an actual date and location of an actual truck that would like to come into the community and we'll take them as we've done in the past mr president each one on its own merit and move forward but as this prepares tonight just an open-ended uh you know list of uh potential um you know food trucks um i i couldn't support this tonight either mr president so um, i would ask that the administration come back uh when they do have a full-fledged um request thank you councilor marks Okay, we have a couple of hands up here. Uh, we have John from the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, name and address for the record, John. Uh, John Costas, uh, 56 Hain Street, uh, business in Medford Square. Um, I'm a, this is the first I've heard about this, and I really think that that's, it's kind of a disservice um, to all small businesses. They're getting hit really, really hard now and they just got reduced um, in capacity, they lost their outside dining. Their only um, source of revenue now is takeout or in-dining services. And to put food trucks and remote you know, food right in the neighborhood, obviously people are gonna like this because it's convenient, it's down the street, they can just order what they want and they walk down and pick it up. But food trucks should stay like it's been doing, by special permit, at events you need a food truck at your event you get food trucks at your event but i think to make it policy that food trucks can come and go in neighborhoods is just wrong it's it's really shows a lack of support of your small modern pop little restaurants here you know our restaurants need help and right now it's getting worse it's not getting better and now that winter's here so as a this is for myself personally 
I'm not speaking for the Chamber of Commerce on this because the Chamber of Commerce wasn't aware this was coming up, so we did not have a discussion on it. But as myself, a business owner in Medford Square for 40 years, I really have a problem with food trucks in residential neighborhoods, and I agree it should be reconsidered at some future date, but don't, don't hurt our, you know, brick and mortar stores at this time during this COVID period. It's, it's just a disservice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, would, any, would anybody else like to speak on this issue? That's on the Zoom call here. Okay, I don't see any hands up. Any of the councils want to speak on this? Okay. Chair awaits a motion. Motion received in place on file, Mr. President. Okay, on the motion of Council Knight to receive in place on file. Seconded by. Second. Council Scarpelli. Clark Erdebees, please call the roll. Council Bears. No. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. No. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven in the affirmative, two in the negative. Five and two. I'm sorry. Five in the affirmative, two in the negative. The papers received in place. Mr. President, while we're under suspension. Mr. President, while we're under suspension, Mr. President. 20-656. One at a time. Vice President Caviello. Mr. President, while we're under suspension, if we can pay, take a paper 20656. 20656. All on the same page. Let me get to that one. It's literally the same page as well. Okay, 20656. Page 16, Mr. President. Page 16, thank you. Communication from the mayor. November 25th, 2020, uh, to the Honorable President and members of the Medford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and City Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that the City Council authorize me as mayor on behalf of the City of Medford to enter into a tax increment financing, TIF, TIF, agreement with Monogram Gourmet Foods, LLC, in accordance with the Massachusetts Economic Development Incentive Program, EDIP, and Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 23A, Chapter 40, Section 59, and Chapter 59. I will be present at the meeting with members of the administration, Chief Assessor Ellen Bordeaux, Jeffrey Monica from Monogram Gourmet Foods and Maria DeStefano from the Massachusetts Office of Business Development to discuss the agreement as well as Monogram Gourmet Foods plan for their proposed operation in the city of Medford. Thank you for your kind attention to this matter. Sincerely, Brianna Longo Kern, Mayor. Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. President, um, I'm, I'm glad we're taking this back up again this evening. Um, you know, for the past six years, uh, 
this whole community has been screaming, uh, no more houses, no more apartments. We want commercial development. We want commercial development. So uh, last week, we, we got a, a, probably the largest commercial development uh, in the history of this community of, of, uh, of $40 million that, that's, that's come forward to us. And again, um, I, I know there were some questions last week, and uh, I would hope that um, we'd we be able to uh, work this out this evening and, uh, and hopefully vote uh, favorably on this, on this tonight, Mr. President. So I, I await com comments from uh, my other counselors and uh, uh, members of the administration and, uh, uh, and uh, the uh, people from Monogram uh, Gourmet Foods also this evening. So uh, I'll await further discussion, Mr. President. Thank you, Vice President Carviello. Uh, we have Councilor Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I don't know who's here to answer questions right now. I, has, I have some questions. I don't know. Is, are, are all the same people yes. present on this to address uh, questions? Yeah, every, you, you can ask questions now if you okay. like. Um, I have a question. I, I know, um, I apologize, I didn't print out the tip. I just have it on my phone, the actual proposed agreement. But I know there's the option that if the um, terms of this aren't met, there's the um, opportunity and process to decertify the TIF. Is there a process for, through the state or, I guess, other measures for clawbacks um, if, you know, th if the terms of this weren't met and it were decertified? I don't know who's on to. We have. Um Mr. President, thank you. We have uh, Maria Stefano from the state. I think she'd probably be best to answer this question for you. Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, we have Maria Stefano. Just need to unmute her. Yep, I'm trying to. It's. I'll try again. Uh, Adam, do you want to try to unmute? We're going to have the clerk see if he can unmute her. I, I'm not having any luck. Was the question about clawbacks? Yes. Um, yeah, the question is just if, you know, if the process to decertify happens because the terms of this agreement aren't met, is there an opportunity or mechanism through the state for clawbacks, or is that something that the city would have to pursue otherwise, or have you seen other cities do this? Again, not that I don't want this to happen, but I'm just trying to understand what that process might look like. Oh, she's uh, been unmuted. Maria, you have the floor. Thank you, Council President. Um, so, yes, so while um, there, there, because it is um, municipally driven, you could certainly pursue that. Um, I have not seen that happen. I haven't seen that happen very often, typically. The company is really wanting to be in that in a specific location, and that municipality really wants them there. So there's always some type of a, of an agreement. Have I seen sometimes a company will fall short a job or two sure, but um, I haven't I haven't seen municipalities act in a way that they would want to decertify that project. Um, it, it would need you know I've seen them do it within reason, but I you know when something perhaps is egregious, but not not in a, um, I, typically I see municipalities and companies working together to, to try to resolve whatever is happening. So the answer is yes, you could, um, you could certainly decertify them. Um, it is, it would really be on, on the city to initiate that. You, uh, it, it's a quick, it's a fairly easy process. 
um, you send a letter to me and we get it to the EACC and we start the process and they vote on it at a uh, policy meeting or another EACC meeting. Okay, and but there's nothing explicitly um, prohibiting clawbacks if that were something that were to happen. Again, I don't want this to happen. I'm not seeking this, but I'm just trying to understand what that would look like. So that would be initiated through the city. Okay, Absolutely. thank you. Um, and then I just have one more question specifically about the TIF. I believe it says, and again, I, I apologize, I'm looking on my phone, um, between 2021 and 2026 to get up to that 250 jobs. Am I understanding that correctly? So the hiring would occur over those five years to get to the total of 250? Let's see. Yes. Yeah, this is, I'm sorry, this is Jeff Modica, Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Vice President of Monogram Gourmet Foods based in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, yes, Mayor and Councilors, yes, our commitment is to employ an additional 200, well, 250 new employees to our company in the city of Medford. Um, and the period of the is through, uh, I think it's fiscal 2026, if oh. I'm not mistaken. Okay, and then I believe the Chief of Staff said last week then that the, the terms of the TIF, TIF are so that those jobs are held at least until um, the end of the TIF and I'm sorry, 2030 or I guess 2031, correct? Or mm -hmm. that's how I understood it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank Co you. Counselor, I, counselor I, I would just advise you that we will probably hire those employees within 12 months of opening the facility, which we anticipate if the TIF is granted could be this coming summer. Um, we're trying to target an August 1st start. Um, if we don't have the jobs in the business, people hired, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be in business. We gotta move quickly uh, to hire the employees. So we're hopeful that that'll happen in the first 12 to 24 months maximum. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that was my original question. I was just trying to reflect the language I see in the actual proposed agreement. Um, thank you, that's all I have. Thank you, Councilor Morell. We have Councilor Bears and Councilor Knight. Councilor Bears. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, and I want to echo uh, Vice President Carabiello's statement. I think it's great that we're having commercial investment in the community. Um, and, you know, I have my general concerns about TIFs as a development strategy, but I think in this case, after review and after the questions that have been asked and answered, um, it seems like a good move uh, for this specific case and this specific project. Um, one thing I do want to add, I think 250 jobs is a great benefit to our community. I think that uh, that would be an even stronger benefit if those many of those were union jobs as we know unionized jobs pay a higher prevailing wage and that's something that we really need in this community considering the cost of living um, so i would like to motion that the council would send the following language to the city administration for potential inclusion in this agreement um, pending review by legal counsel and whatever the administration deems necessary and i can read the uh, the language at when the clerk is ready Uh, the language would just be monogram foods will not contest uh, any efforts by workers at this facility to unionize using card check or any other legally authorized mechanism to establish a collective bargaining unit. And again, uh, sending that language over to the city administration for their review and discussion uh, for potential inclusion in the agreement. I was uh, encouraged to hear from Mr. Modica that uh, some of the facilities that monogram operates are unionized. So I would hope that this would be more of a, a formality than, than 
needing to be enforced uh, if workers were to unionize, but I do think it's important that we try to make sure that as many jobs in our community as possible are good union jobs uh, where workers get the benefits of being in a collective bargaining unit. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Bears. So on the motion of Council Bears, this- Would you just like to amend that, Mr. President? Okay, so, is that, is that an amendment? It's a, a motion to send language to the city administration for potential inclusion in the agreement. Okay, so on that B motion- paper. It's a B paper. Okay, okay, so that's going to be B paper. Sure. So on yep. that B paper, seconded by. Uh, well, I have a couple of concerns about it, Mr. President. Okay, so uh, um, seconded by Council Morrell, Council Knight. Uh, I think it needs to be reviewed by legal counsel, and the reason I think that, Mr. President, is because we can't um, request that an entity or an organization waive their rights under federal law as a condition of permitting, right? So I think that that's something that might need legal review from um, Solicitor Scanlon. Um, but I would uh, like to offer a C paper, Mr. President, um, requesting that monogram foods and the administration um, meet with the uh, Boston Building Trades uh, to discuss the potential for a project-specific lab labor agreement at this house, uh, at this location for uh, the build-out. And um, that gentleman would be Francis X. Callahan. Uh, he's the chairman of the Building Trades at this point in time. I'd offer that as a C paper, Mr. President, if this is approved moving forward. So we have a C paper offered by Council Knight. Second. Second by Council Pierce. And Mr. President, if I may. Council Pierce. Just to clarify on the B paper, absolutely pending legal counsel review or any other, uh, it would be at the administration's discretion to ask Solicitor Scanlon about the language. So that's my intent in this motion. Second, Mr. President. Okay, thank you. Council Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I do have one more question regarding if there is any update from the administration as far as findings regarding to the applicability of the solder ordinance to this project and what that might look like. Thank you, Councilor Morrell. Was that, that was too, uh, okay, Alicia Hunt. Ms. Hunt. Alicia Hunt. Hi, sorry, I wasn't um, available earlier to respond to this, um, but I am meeting with um, Mr. Modica from Monogram Foods on Thursday to review our solar ordinance and the requirements for it. Um, and to see how it fits with their project. Um, I do believe that it's going to be applicable. Um, I don't see it being a huge burden on their company, um, but we'll be talking about it in more detail on Thursday. And I think he has something to add. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'll wait. Yeah, I, since last week's meeting, uh, we have engaged with our engineering team to begin looking at this pending the approval of the TIF. Um, the, the building roof has got some sloped portion and there is uh, quite a bit of refrigeration equipment which contains ammonia. Um, so we'll have to look at how that would interface and that caused me to schedule a meeting and work with work through Dave Rodriguez of economic development and the mayor staff and we've got the team together. I've got my engineers available tomorrow pending the outcome tonight to meet with Alicia. Uh, I would just tell you two other things. We have our meat snack plant in Chandler, Minnesota is 100% supplied electricity from 13 solar gardens that we have in the state of Minnesota. And that's a program through XL Energy. So we are very, if it will work and we can, structure will have supported, um, we will go forward and take a look at that to the best of our ability. Remember, this is a leased building and the owner Medford Bakery Realty LLC is the actual owner of the facility. We are a tenant. 
So they will have to be brought in uh, once we determine uh, app applicability with working with Alicia and her team. So that's the update since last Tuesday's meeting. Okay, great. Thank you both. Thank you, Councilor Morell. Councilor Wright. And um, oh, Mr. I'm sorry. Councilor Marx is next. I apologize. Councilor Marx. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. President. And I want to thank um, this council last week uh, tabled this request uh, in order to notify residents of uh, the Wellington and Haines Square area. And in particular, I want to thank the city administration. Uh, they sent out a great robocall, in my opinion, uh, alerting residents of this particular meeting, how to participate, Mr. President, and also if they had any questions or concerns uh, regarding uh, this TIF uh, and this new establishment on Middlesex Ave. So I want to thank the administration and thank uh, this council for including uh, residents uh, in their input. It's very important uh, during this process. Um, Mr. President, I think it was about four years ago this council voted for the only TIF that I can recall with uh, Bianco Sausage. And at the time, uh, Mr. President, uh, their commitment to this city um, was to add 20 new full-time jobs. And now we're looking at a commitment of 250 jobs. So uh, I see this as a real uh, job growth and uh, economic uh, you know, revitalizer, which uh, I think will be good for the area. And I agree with my colleagues uh, regarding uh, living wages and so forth. And I'm sure we could probably uh, work towards that, Mr. President. Um, the questions that I raised uh, last week, I still have uh, this week, Mr. President, and I am gonna propose them again. Um, and I'm not sure if we've had any time to work on some of this, but um, I really would like to try to pin down uh, the potential trucking routes uh, to this establishment, Mr. President. Uh, I, I know we're talking about uh, increasing business there uh, that uh, from what currently exists. And um, I think it's important for those of us that actually surround this, uh, there are neighborhoods around this facility. I realize this is uh, a commercial area, but it's embedded in uh, a residential neighborhood. Uh, both the Haines Square and the Wellington neighborhood with many residents. So uh, I would like to find out from maybe Mr. Modica if he's had uh, the ability uh, to respond to the question that I asked last week of what potential truck routes uh, they will be looking at, knowing that uh, two of the major roads that exist around this uh, area don't allow uh, major trucking. Uh, so in my opinion, that would disperse trucks on some of the secondary roads, and uh, I have a concern. So that would be my first question, Mr. President, uh, regarding the truck routes. And if Mr. Modica uh, has had the opportunity to look into it, if not, I think it's something that uh, still requires a response, Mr. President, uh, to this council. Thank you, Council Marks. Mr. Modica. Yes, thank you, Council, for the question. We have had a discussion. I have actually have a representative. One of my peers is in uh, Boston area tonight. They'll be touring the facility tomorrow. We did look at tra uh, basic traffic ingress and egress from trucks. It'll all be contained to Middlesex. Uh, is that Middlesex Street or Middlesex Road? I'm not sure the right uh, the right name. Right. And our, our the truck traffic and employee traffic will be entering on and off of Middlesex. The only question that was raised 
is how difficult will it be to make a left turn out of the property onto Middlesex. And just coincidentally, I was uh, talking with Mr. Rodriguez the other day and the chief of police was uh, in his office. So I had the unique opportunity of inquiring, are there any restrictions with uh, what type of traffic do we see there? He said, you should have no problem in going in and out and Middlesex. And I also inquired about weight restrictions and he said, you should have no problems using Middlesex and then accessing, um, inter is it Highway 28, I think will be the, the main artery we would take uh, to get out of the area. So I don't anticipate a problem, Councillor. Obviously we have to comply with all traffic and local uh, weight ordinances. That's common practice for any business. So I don't anticipate that to be a problem. And if left turns are a problem coming out of there, we will generate a right turn only process and route our trucks down Middlesex and loop back around to 28. So that's the research we've done since your question last Tuesday night. Okay. Th Hope that in. Th th I appreciate you looking into that and I uh, thank you for your response. Um, the other question I had was, you mentioned originally uh, that uh, Monogram was gonna open as two shifts with the potential of a third shift. Um, I, I know at this point you probably can't commit but I have a concern about a potential third shift, um, and I was wondering um, if a third shift would require the uh, extended hours uh, for any business, and would that be a vote of the council? This, I don't think a is a question for Mr. Modica, but uh, I don't know who else we have on the call. Do we have Commissioner Moki or any, anyone else on the call that? Um. Mayor Longo Kern. Mr. President, yes, we don't have Commissioner Moki on the call. We have uh, Ms. Hunt, Mr. Rodriguez. We have our traffic engineer, Todd Blake, um, and we, but we do not have Commissioner Moki. My apologies. Point of information, Mr. President. Point of information, Council Knight. I'm tapping at my zoning book here, section 94145, hours of operation of retail or wholesale store, factory or manufacturing plant. Uh, a, no retail or wholesale store, factory, or manufacturing plant shall conduct business or operate in a single-family general residence, apartment, commercial, or industrial zone between the hours of 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. A special permit to extend those hours of operation between 11 and 7 may be granted by the council provided in section 9481. So it appears that the um, extended hours permit would be applicable in this instance. Uh, Mr. President, I want to thank Council tonight for uh, bringing that up. Yes. So. Um, <laughs> Thank you, uh, that, that was helpful. So, uh, Mr. President, knowing that uh, this would require a special permit of the council, um, I, I think eases some of the concern I have regarding a third shift. I'm not saying I'm opposed to a third shift. I realize that the previous business, I believe, did have a, a third shift, uh, an active third shift there, but uh, that eases some of my concerns of residents that I spoke to regarding potential trucking at one, two, three in the morning. And we all know when 18 wheelers go by your house and hit the many potholes we have on our roads and the many divots we have uh, that it shakes homes and so forth, uh, Mr. President. So uh, that's comforting to know. Uh, my uh, third point, Mr. President, and I brought this up last week, and it's a major concern, Mr. President. Middlesex Ave, and I don't have to tell anyone behind this reel, uh, is a disgrace. The sidewalk, the road, the lighting, everything. Uh, on that road is a complete and utter disgrace. There hasn't been any attention. I've been in the area for almost 30 years now, and there hasn't been 
any attention to that road since I've been here. And that's no lie. And uh, I realize it's a state road, um, and uh, I'm hoping with this partnership uh, through an act of uh, state legislation, which is the TIF agreement, that we could get a commitment uh, similar to what we received just recently from the Department of Transportation regarding the corner of uh, Main Street and South Street, Mr. President, that uh, the city administration, Todd Blake, the city engineer, um, uh, sit and meet with the uh, State Department of Transportation, Mr. President, and put together a full-fledged plan. We're talking about $40 million in uh, renovation and equipment and a new establishment, and yet we're talking zero dollars about infrastructure. I mean, I think it speaks volume about what we need to address, and it is that road, Mr. President. Um, and uh, I would just like to put that out there. I believe uh, the mayor said that we had the traffic engineer, Todd Blake, on tonight. Uh, I went through this about a month and a half ago with the BJ's gas station. One of the major concerns was the exiting from BJ's location. And uh, again, uh, it was stated, and I believe Todd Blake was on the calls, that they would look at the uh, exiting of uh, that uh, particular parking lot. This is no different. This is a door down. This is no different, Mr. President. And uh, I think if we're going to talk about $40 million in this commitment, uh, it should go hand in hand with improvements to that road. So I'd like to hear from uh, the traffic engineer and uh, the city engineer uh, regarding what the next steps are and potentially how uh, the state, I'm sorry, uh, is it DeStefano, uh, the woman from the state? Uh, yes. Um, uh, may be able to get involved on an infrastructure type, uh, if, if indeed they do get involved uh, in moving this forward uh, where she is from the state, Mr. President. Council March, who would you like to hear from first? Uh, either one, Mr. President. Okay, so uh, Mr. Stefano is right in front of me here, so I will unmute. Um, I'll try to unmute you. There we go, okay. Thank you, Council President. Um, thank you, Councilor. Um, certainly, I am happy to sit down with, well, whether it's uh, in person or via um, video, I'm happy to sit down with the mayor, with um, Mr. Rodriguez, with Alicia, um, whomever I can, and we can talk about there's several, uh, there's an infrastructure program for the state. We can also make connections with MassDOT. I'm happy to help in whatever way I can. Thank you, Mr. President. Maybe if we can hear from the city. Yes, absolutely. Let's see, uh, I think Todd, I thought I saw Todd Blake on the line. Um, I got him, Mr. President. He's on mute. Hi. How you doing, everyone? Todd Blake, traffic engineer for City Metro. Um, so, Council Lawrence, thank you for your comments on good points, and I think there will be other opportunities as we move forward through that process you referenced to address these things, but it's a good point to point out to us to get in touch with the state and talk about possible improvements, whether it's related to this or otherwise. So, so Todd, while, while we have you, um, I, I know you were involved with the uh, BJ's gas station as part of the conversation. Uh, can you shed some light on what improvements, if any, are going to take place due to the recent approval of the BJ's gas station? Yep, no problem. Um, so for the BJ's gas station project, um, we requested that, as part of the permit process, we recommended and requested that they improve 
pedestrian and bicycle access to that facility because it was built so long ago, it was very car-centric. So um, they were upgrading the sidewalk, I believe, along the frontage of their establishment and also from Middlesex to their front door. Um, and they were also adding bike lanes and bike sharrows subject to state approval on the state road. And, it, and the, just to clarify for folks, because it's a gas station, the mitigation for the ped bike was to try to offset the possible additional uh, car traffic, vehicle traffic, by switching the short existing trips to BJ's from car to pedestrian or bike that might be shorter trips to potentially offset. That's how, because it's counterintuitive to some people, it's a gas station wide pedestrian bicycles. But it's in the hope to have a mode shift of existing short trips to BJ's to offset potentially additional car traffic. Right, so Todd, just, just to fill me in, um, so is, is that commitment based on a commitment between BJ's and the Department of Transportation? How, how does that work? So whatever's on the site, it, well, it was all permitted through the permit process, but whatever's on the site is through the city permit. Whatever's on state road is subject to their approval as well. So it's approved locally, but then it also has to get approved by the state. Similar to Locust Street improvements uh, related to development over there where we recommend improvements on Locust Street, but also at the intersection that the state owns. So that we approve it locally, or the board's approved it locally, and then it's subject to the state approval as well. Okay, so, so any, any commitment that's on Middlesex Ave would be a commitment of DOT, correct? Um, no, in the, in the BJ's case, if that's what you're asking, the BJ's would be, if they get approved by the state, in, in another example, it's the Locust Street example, if the permit process included something in those permits, those examples, they constructed the improvements on state property with states. So, so what you're telling me is then eventually monogram is going to have to go through the approval process and during that process uh, a similar agreement that was made with BJ's uh, regarding the licensing and so forth will most likely take place with monogram in the city regarding any safety concerns on Middlesex Ave. And I would imagine there would be opportunity to revisit that during that process. I, I wouldn't want to say what exactly that process is at this point. I defer to you know Paul and Alicia. So, so I guess what I'm trying to do, and I, I don't feel warm and fuzzy from your response. I'm, I'm trying to figure out whose responsibility is it uh, to make sure that Middlesex Ave gets the needed improvements uh, during this approval of a $40 million project. As we heard from Vice President Caviello, probably one of the larger endeavors that this city has seen. And I don't hear any infrastructure mentions. Um, and I find that hard to believe that uh, we're not discussing infrastructure improvements during such a, a large project. Is that for me as well? <laughs> Anyone from the administration that would like to handle that? Just, I just would like to hear some more concrete um, information on what potentially negotiations will exist, what meetings are going to be called, what's going to happen to that roadway. 
Has anyone walked down that roadway? Am I the only one that's ever walked down Middlesex Ave? It's, it's a, com it's a complete project. nightmare. It really is. It's a complete nightmare. We have a scheduled meeting with MassDOT District 4 on another matter that everyone's, you know, um, interested in me and itself. So we'll, whenever we meet with them, we'll take the opportunity to discuss possible improvements on any state roads. We, we work all the time with MassDOT and DCR to get improvements wherever we can, whenever we can. You know, recent examples with DCR on Fellsway West for the bump outs in that neighborhood. But, um, you know, so, so we will have an opportunity very soon to talk with Matthew T and, and touch base upon, um, you know, the, the condition of Middlesex Ave and, and our requests. Uh, if I may, Council Marks, I think Mayor Longo Kern had her hand up. So. Yes, and I know I think uh, Ms. Hunt has um, something to add, but I just want to just reassure you with Maria's help um, and, our, and Todd's connection to the state, we will move forward with um, trying to get a seat at the table with DCR and Mass to, to try to get some improvements to Middlesex Avenue. Um, well, I know it's, it is a state road. We aren't in, as part of, the, of this TIF, we are not looking for improvements from Monogram, but as a city, we can, and I think you have more department heads on here than I than I announced earlier, many more, but we will work together to try to get some much needed improvements to Middlesex Avenue. Point of information, Mr. President? Point of information, Council and Knight. Uh, it appears that this project would be subject to linkage fees. Would the administration be willing to dedicate the linkage fees that are generated through this project for improvements to Middlesex Avenue for partnering with the state and making those improvements? Mayor Longo Kern. And Ms. Hunt, if you oh. want to help me with this, but with regards to the linkage fees, and then I can. I would be happy to speak to the linkage fees question. Um, so I would have to examine whether or not linkage fees are going to be levied on this. But what I can tell you is that linkage fees, the linkage funds that we have do not um, have to be spent directly at that moment. So we actually have a linkage account that can be used. The difficulty here is that it's a state road. We've, we've been developing very excellent relationships with MassDOT over the past 11 months, and we feel very confident that we can have a conversation with them about improvements to Middlesex Ave and who would be paying for such improvements. And in fact, as part of the BJ's commitment through the site plan review cap process that was being required of them through the community development board is that they will be paying for the bike lane improvements all and restriping of Middlesex Ave um, inclusive of the area in front of this development as part of their approval, pending approval with MassDOT. We don't think it'll be hard to get the improvement for MassDOT to have the private company pay for this striping. We haven't worked our way through the entire conversation with them, um, but we feel that that will go forward. We can also have a conversation with MassDOT about the application of linkage funds that we have for this area and for improving that road, if that would be of, um, assistance in getting MassDOT to approve the improvements, as you're saying, to this area. 
Um, we'll also yes be no question, Mr. President. <laughs> yes, linkage fees apply, and yes, we'll be willing to do it, and no, we won't. I mean, that's as so simple as I'm looking at it, Mr. President. So I if mean, they apply, yes, we would absolutely bring them to this location. Okay, why would not? Um, why, why would linkage fees not apply at this location? So linkage fees apply for new development, and this is a renovation. And uh, so it is unclear to me Renovation over is, a certain size. Right, a substantial reservation. Right in excess of 50% of the structure that's right. 10,000 square feet, which is what this project is, I believe, so based upon what was presented. Paul Moki and I need to be having a conversation about exactly what is going to be applying to this location. Um, but regardless of that, we can use money in the linkage account for for repair, for uh, improvements at this location. I understand that you can. Pending that is, whether we can use any linkage on a state road. It, that is something that we're going to have to clarify because it is not clear to me that we could use any municipal funds on a state road regardless of their source and we actually cannot require a company a business of any kind to do improvements to a state road without the state agreeing to it right but we so, can't partner with the, the the state just like we've seen um, yeah. our neighbors in malden do for example when they partially funded a study for the reconfiguration of the highland avenue fells way uh intersection yeah. there and um the city put up some money to do the traffic study and once the traffic study was complete the uh, state kicked up the money to do the chain to do the repairs so uh, and that yes absolutely and that was a mass dcr partnership and this is a mass dot road so the Mass DCR partnership program won't work here. We'll have to talk to Mass DOT and see what they're open to. If I might add, a monogram, we have a precedent. We have worked on similar projects in other cities. We have, we have paid to move a curb cut uh, because of that local city traffic engineer said, let's move that curb cut 50 feet to the west or to the east. So we will be cooperative. Uh, obviously, we, we have to fund our part, which is on our property that we're leasing, but we, we're going to be smart about that. We do not want a conflict with traffic with the neighboring property, BJ's, or any of the residential. So we will be supportive of whatever Alicia and the state would like us to do, within reason. Councilor Marks, you had the floor. Uh, th thank you, Mr. President. And I, I know my colleagues have other questions too, so I just uh, I'll be I'll be brief. I I, I just want to make sure, Mr. President, and it sounds like the city has given this some consideration on uh, looking at some of the infrastructure that exists, in particular Middlesex Ave. Uh, so I do feel comfortable, Mr. President. Uh, as a community, we can no longer sit back and state that, oh, I'm sorry, this is a state road, we can't do anything because it's difficult to tell a taxpayer when they're paying $8,000 in taxes that, sorry, we can't touch your tree, we can't trim your tree, we can't do your sidewalk, and we have nothing to do with your road. That's very difficult, Mr. President, and I think these conversations have to be had uh, when we have the opportunity, and a $40 million renovation, in my opinion, is the time to do it. And uh, I hope uh, the city keeps us informed uh, regarding uh, what the next steps are on uh, state road improvements, uh, in particular Middlesex Ave. Uh, regarding the TIF agreement itself, Mr. President, and this may be a question for uh, Chief of Staff Rodriguez, is there language in there that would state that uh, a, there's a 90-day notice of any corporate decision to change the nature or, or the character of their business operations uh, to notify the city? Is there any language that speaks to that? 
we're taking a quick review right now. Um, but I don't recall that being as part of it. Um, I think Maria could weigh in on that sort of structural change to a TIF agreement after it's approved by the EACC. They're generally made with the entity itself. Um, I don't think there's a, a change in purpose language that's in there, but you know, Maria can, can expand on whether she's seen that, seen that language included before that process worked out. So, so Mr. President, I, I had the opportunity to look at a few TIF, recent TIF agreements, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they had language that stated just that. So I thought it would be helpful that uh, when and if and when we put this agreement together, and I would just state this as a motion, that uh, the administration add uh, a 90-day notice of any corporate decision to change the nature and or character of uh, their business operations that they notify the city of Medford. And naturally, if the attorney has to put that, um, that that's just language that I jotted down quickly. So I would uh, offer that in the form of a motion, Mr. President. Uh, also that um, if there's not already currently that exist, and again, this would be a question for Mr. Rodriguez, that uh, annual reports on job creation, retention of Medford residents, uh, be provided to us uh, as the city of Medford. And I'm not sure if that language currently exists or something similar. Doesn't have to be the exact. I would it does in section, yeah, it's in section seven of the agreement. So that, that's it. Okay, so we can eliminate that, Mr. President. And then I, I think as Councilor Morell mentioned, uh, there should be language in there uh, within the TIF agreement. Uh, failure to comply will result in decertification. Um, somewhere that should be listed within the TIF agreement itself, uh, Mr. President. And uh, I'm not sure if that's currently in there now, but uh, I would recommend, uh, if it's not, that that be uh, a motion as well, Mr. President. Okay. It is also included, Council. That's off. So it would be yeah, just. Is, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chief of Staff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would be just that one motion, Mr. President, that the 90-day notice, uh, if there's any. Uh, change in their business nature or character of their business that they notify uh, the city, Mr. President. Um, and that, that's it for now. Thank you. Thank you, Council Marks. So that will be a D paper on the motion of Council Marks and the D paper seconded by Council Scarpelli. So we have a number of uh, councils that want to speak. Uh, next up is Con we have Council Knight, Council Scarpelli, Council Bears, Council Knight. Um, Mr. President, thank you very much. And Mr. Monica, um, I want to thank you for your patience in going through this process. Uh, I know um, it's quite an initiation to the Memphis City Council that you've taken over the past couple of weeks. And um, I as one council want to say, number one, it's great to see that your company wants to invest here. Um, ultimately, there are zero jobs at this location now. And with the approval of this TIF, we have the ability to bring 250 jobs to our community, plus the construction jobs that are going to be related to it, plus we're going to be able to redevelop an underutilized site. And um, from my discussions with the city assessor, if nothing happens at this property, then we don't lose anything, right? I mean, right now, it is what it is based upon the way the TIF is structured. Um, you know, in order for us to, to move forward on this, we're going to be in a much better place than we are today. Um, so why is one council comfortable supporting this? Um, you know, I think we've, we've raised a lot of issues, um, A paper, B paper, C paper, D paper at this point, Mr. President, and they're all valid, valid concerns. Um, and I think that they're, um, more focused, not necessarily on the merits of the organization or the business that's going to be done, but uh, the application in the seamless transition to a re renovation of a site that's located in the neighborhood and our ability to make sure that um, 
those that are responsible and accountable to make sure that certain aspects of this job go right do. Um, so when we talk about linkage and we talk about the solar ordinance, um, we're talking about items that we want the applicant to know about and know what they're getting into. Um, so, you know, with that being said, Mr. President, I certainly uh, this evening am very comfortable voting to support this TIF. I think um, we've done a good job vetting it. Um, we've, you know, taken the opportunity to open our eyes and our ears to the neighborhood and the neighbor's concerns um, while also examining the economic benefits that it's going to bring to the city. Um, so I, as one councilor, will be supporting this paper this evening and I would um, move forward for approval. Point of information, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Uh, Councilor, uh, it's on the motion to approve the paper, seconded by Second. Councilor Scott Pelley, Councilor Marks. Uh, th thank you, Mr. President, and I appreciate uh, that comment. H however, uh, we did uh, notify uh, thousands of Method residents of, of this meeting, and we have yet to hear. I know we started off with the council, mm -hmm. um, so I look eager to hear from residents and uh, maybe uh, some of the concerns that may exist out there, Mr. President, as well. So, Absolutely. Thank you. And everyone will have an opportunity to ask their right. questions, uh, make their comments. Uh, we have a couple more councils that would like to speak on this issue. We have Councilor Scarpelli, then Councilor Bears. Uh, Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate Council Marks for bringing that point up. I think that's the last piece that, uh, that as we go through this process, um, that I want to applaud because I think that the word was uh, distributed to that area. I think that the administration did their due diligence. I think this council did their due diligence. Um, I, I think that we are moving forward in a, in a position where bringing jobs, especially possible unionized jobs, to our community. I think we've we have hit every target that we've we were put in this place to do. So I appreciate. Uh, Mr. Moniker and his uh, his team for choosing Medford. I think that uh, um, it, it everything seems to be in a positive outlook. I think the uh, the administration has done a great job following through with this process. So, um, I, I, as my fellow colleagues have already mentioned, I will be supporting this in, 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 unless I hear something really drastic from our neighbors. But I think that um, Council Marks really hit. Uh, hit a nerve when he talks about Middlesex Ave and a forgotten road by our state and um, what other way to do it as, a, as an elected official uh, with one of the probably one of the major uh, issues and in, in, in development growth uh, areas in that that we'll see there for years so using that as some leverage to make make sure the state and our city administration understands there is a viable neighborhood that really needs some attention. So uh, again, I thank Mr. Modiker and I, I look forward to seeing the jobs and um, and the possible um, you know money going through our businesses in that area as well. So thank you so much. And again, I look forward to the residents' uh, discussion. Thank, thank you. Councilor Pierce. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I actually do have a couple questions on Middlesex Avenue. Uh, the first one is for Director Hunt or Engineer Blake, which is um, is Middlesex Avenue on any schedule or list for upgrades or repair by MassDOT already? I, Todd, do you know? Uh, I don't have any list for MassDOT. Maybe you have it. We have Tim McGivern with us. Tim, the city engineer's raising his hand. I'm not aware of. Uh, Besides the Wellington Circle study, I'm not aware of others. City engineer Tim McGivern. Hi, good evening, Council. Uh, 
so there is some improvements that are slated by MassDOT on Middlesex Avenue. Uh, I don't have them right in front of me, but I believe it's um, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th Avenue. I might have got that wrong, but there's four to five intersections that they'll be doing pedestrian upgrades. Um, I thought it was actually going to happen this season, but it looks like it's going to happen next season. Would that, include, would that include resurfacing, Tim? No, I think the project is just very focused on uh, ADA compliance um, and improving the pedestrian ramps at those four intersections. Would um, it? Would it improve? Again, I can follow up the, the exact list of intersections, but it, it's it's along that stretch. That would be helpful. Thanks, Tim. And then yeah. this this general question for all three of you as well, um, and we just haven't brought it up, but the MBTA right of way. There's a train right of way that runs right next to this property, actually between BJ's and. Uh, this property, it's, it's very old, it's the old Medford Branch Railway that used to come down into Medford Square. Um, if you go on Park Street, there's a bridge and there's a bridge over the Fells Way. I was just, uh, it's just kind of a pet interest of mine. Is there any discussion about use or reuse of that right of way that's been mentioned to any city department um, as far as you know? There, there is, um, and Alicia can speak more to the detail of it. There was an exploration of using that for a pedestrian crossover. Um, to, to get out of the Wellington neighborhood basically and uh, more of a direct pedestrian connection to Wellington Station but um, I believe that uh, is not going to be happening because of the owners of, uh, of that bridge across the tracks don't want that to happen and Alicia can speak more details of, of that, that particular finding. Is that, so, sorry, no. just quick clarification, is that the bridge on the Fells Way or? The so, bridge that goes over the tracks, over the orange lines. It's actually not a bridge. It's uh, the orange line dips down underneath the spur yeah. that connects to the orange line. Got it. Thank you. And thanks, Alicia, in advance. Right. We have, so, um, so Councillor, we have been um, looking at that for quite a while, that spur. And we've talked to some groups, um, including Bike to the Sea and Walk Medford and the Bike Commission, about looking at a project to turn that spur into a pedestrian and bicycle path. Um, the, we thought that we could actually cross the orange line there at um, First Street, but it turns out that there is in fact still use of an old train line on top of that that runs um, above the orange line underpass. And it's a, an active use about twice a day. So we can't cross right there, but we're still looking at whether that spur would be um, something that we can make into a bike and pedestrian path. I know that the um, residential developer there behind the property next to BJ's, it's building condominium um, buildings, is actually interested in working with us to turn that into a shared use path and potentially a walking path under um, 28 if, it's, if we can figure out if that's going to be possible at the other end on the opposite end of that property but it is something that is on our list of potential future projects we just haven't had the frankly the manpower to invest in developing that further over the past year or so i appreciate you indulging me um and asking these questions and my last one is there any any non-bike or pedestrian or any like light rail or heavy rail potential for that right of way that's been mentioned or discussed It seems very unlikely. Got it. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Council Beers. Okay. Any other questions from the council before we open it up to the public? Okay. Let's see. We have. Uh, does any? Would anyone like to speak on this issue? We'll start off with uh, John. Um, 
Can I mute you? Try to unmute you now. Okay. And John, you have two Can minutes. Okay. Uh, well, John, uh, president of the uh, Medford Chamber of Commerce, and I think that the 40 years I've been in uh, Medford Square doing business, I think this is this opportunity is fantastic, and it's not something that comes around, you know, very frequently. Um, the Chamber of Commerce um, supports it, and I'd like to read a letter into the record to the Honorable City Council. The Medford Chamber of Commerce supports the mayor's proposal for a TIF in favor of Montague and Gourmet Food to take over the old Brennan Circus location on Middlesex Ave. This building has been vacant for at least two years and having a well-respected company invest $40 million in this building for the next 50 years is a win for Medford, which includes the residents of the area since the company will only be operating limited shifts rather than 24-7 as was the case with Bread and Circus. The number of job opportunities Monogram Gourmet Food would generate is valuable, especially under the current COVID conditions, and having them favoring Medford residents is a plus. Opportunities like this do not come around every day, and not to support this proposal would be a disservice to the community. The community would gain much more than tax breaks and is very little to ask for considering the great return on the city's investment. To reiterate, we would like very much for the Medford City Council to support this proposal. Um, it was exciting when I heard when I heard about it last week, and it's still exciting today. So please consider the proposal. Thank you. John, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, anyone else, would, is there anyone else that would like to speak on this matter? Uh, so while we're looking for people, uh, we have a uh, Mayor Longo Kern. Just if nobody um, else has any comments, I just want to thank the council um, for all your due diligence this past week. I know a lot of you have been working with um, us on the robocall as well as in and out of the office to ask questions and to lend your support. Um, we thank Mr. Monica for coming to the city of Medford. This is a business we welcome with open arms to invest 40 million into our community and create 250 jobs where Medford's unemployment rate is up over 8% is invaluable and we look forward to getting started on this project. I will be present during the state meeting on Friday. I, I look forward to it and I wanna thank the team, the entire team, our city assessor, our chief, chief financial officer, city engineer, um, office community development, my chief of staff, Dave Rodriguez, Jackie Peaks, Maria DiStefano from the state. Um, we, this is a great um, example of collaboration among the city, the state, and the city council. And I, and I thank you for that. And welcome, Mr. Monica, hopefully, if you can, I know it sounds very positive that you'll um, be a partner here in Medford and we appreciate that. We are excited. Thank you for all the, thank you for your consideration and the council as well. We appreciate the opportunity and we think this will be a great partnership for many years to come. Thank you very much. Uh, let's just check one more time. Would anybody else like to speak on this before we call the roll? Okay, do you see anyone? Okay. 
Vice President Carriello. Oh, move the question. Okay. So we have a number of papers before us. Okay. Uh, we have a, a D paper that was offered by Councilor Marks. That was seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Would you like to read the uh, wording to the paper? Clerk Erdemis. Councilor Marks' D paper is, to, is that the administration add a 90 day notice uh, of any corporation. If, hang on. Add the 90 day notice of. Uh, if any corporation decides to uh, change the nature or character of its operations and, and uh, notify the city uh, of any plans to do so. Any corporate decision. Any corporate decision. Yeah, not corporate, any corporate decision. Corporate decision. To change, yeah. So on that D paper, offered by Councilor Marks, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli, Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. On the D paper, <laughs> Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiel. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. <coughs> On the C paper, offered by Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Bears. Clerk Erdbees, you want to read the language of the C paper? Yes. It's a request that Monogram Food and the administration meet with the Boston Building Trades to discuss a project labor agreement for this project. On that motion, Clerk Erdbees, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. On the B paper, offered by Councilor Bears, seconded by Councilor Morell. Clerk Curtis, could you please read the language to the B paper? Uh, Councilor Bears' B paper is, uh, is to insert, it is to send the administration for review and discussion of potential proof of the following language. Monogram Foods will not contest any efforts by workers at this facility to unionize using the card check or any other legally authorized mechanism to establish a collective bargaining agreement. On that motion, Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Burrell. Yes. Council Yes. Yes. Seven the affirmative, Jan. The negative. The motion passes. And on the main paper. Uh, by Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. This is for approval. This is for approval of the main paper. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carriello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Bears. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Motion to revert to the regular order of business. Thank you, everyone, on the call. Yes, uh, while we're on to suspension, we have a number of licenses in front of us tonight. Um, thank you very much. Petitions, presentations, and similar papers. 20-670, petition for common vigilance license by Run Yan. 6E, 4th Street, Attleboro, Massachusetts, 02703 for Rainbow Rain Incorporated. DBA Roses Chinese Restaurant, 321 Boston Ave, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. On file, Business Certificate 185, Building Department, Fire Department, Police Traffic Impact, Health Department, Letter of Compliance, State ID, Tax ID, Workman's Compensation, Petition, and Treasurer. Uh, Councilor Scarpelli, Chairperson on Licensing. 
Thank you. Do we have the petitioner here tonight? I believe I did see him. Oh, yes, we do. Uh, is, um, is it, I, I apologize. Is it Mayhew Hugh? Yes. Okay. We just need your <coughs> name and address for the record, please. Oh, I just uh, lost the video. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. For for some for reason, I, I lost the video. So yes, uh, my name is Mei Hui Hu. Uh, my client's here, Ron Yang. He's also participating in this video conference. Um, this is a petition by the corporation, uh, Rainbow Rain uh, Corporation, doing business as Roses Sushi Bar. And uh, we are uh, purchasing, this is a license, uh, this is a, a application for a common visual license. We are planning to take over the existing Roses Sushi, uh, R Roses Chinese restaurant at the existing uh, 315 Boston Avenue location. There will be no change to the seating capacity and the operating hours remain the same as well. We are actually just presenting the same uh, services to our existing patron. And uh, Mr. Ren Ying is the first time uh, uh, business operator in Medford. So he's looking forward to this opportunity uh, to coming to Medford and uh, 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 contributing his experience in restaurant operating uh, business. And uh, hopefully that this would be a right fit for him. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, thank you very much. Uh, it, did you say it's, is it Yang or Yang? Is it with a G at the end? Y-A-N, uh, Yang. Y-A-N, okay, Yang, okay, thank you. Um, we see that we do have everything in order. It's uh, all the departments have signed off positively with this, this changeover, I know that. But we do have a question on the time of operations. What time is the, uh, the previous business? It might be a conflict because the, the, depending on what the hours are, will depend on a separate uh, visit to the council with hours. So do you have the times that they have? Um, the, I am reading, uh, at the, reading from their menu from the prior business. 11, yep. It was Monday to, Monday to Saturday, 11 to 11, 11 okay, a.m. to 11 p.m. Okay, perfect. I see everything in order, Mr. President. Move approval. Motion, Councilor Scott Kelly, seconded by Councilor Knight. Any questions? Any from the council? No one has a hand up. Okay, on that motion by Councilor Scott Kelly, seconded by Councilor Knight. Clerk Hardeby's, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven the affirmative, zero on the negative. The motion passes. Congratulations and good luck. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you. 20-671, petition for common vitual license by Robert Trotta, 73 Bow, Bow Street, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155 for Medford Sons of Italy, 42 Alfred Street, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. On file, business certificate number 212, building department, fire department, police traffic impact, health department, letter of compliance, state tax ID, workman's compensation, petition, and treasurer. 
Chairperson Scott Pelley, Chairperson of Licensing. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. President. Is Mr. Trotter here this evening? Yes, he is. Uh, I will unmute him right now. It looks like we have uh, Francis Carino as his name, uh, hand up. No, actually, I'm sorry. My name is John DePinto, Trigger Rebecca Lane Stone, Mass. Mr. President, council members, I'm representing the Sons of Italy tonight. I'm on my, I don't know how to do this stuff. I'm on my sister's Zoom. <laughs> you're doing a great job. I just, uh, could you just give us a brief overview of what, we're looking, what you're asking us for approval? Yes, we, uh, we want to be able, we, we don't know if we're going to, but we want to be able to open. Right now, we cannot open because we're, uh, we're Sons of Italy and we don't have any food. So per the, uh, the virus regs now, in order to open, you have to have food. I have a menu here. Um, we will be serving hot dogs, egg breakfast sandwiches, personal pizza, and hamburgers if we get the uh, approval of the uh, license um, so that we can then have food with alcohol because right now all we have is alcohol. So, so that's simple. I know we've done this in the past with other clubs and uh, I know that the Sons of Italy has it's been very good to our um, uh, in, in supporting our communities both on the line in Medford and Somerville. I see everything in order, Mr. President. I move approval. On the motion of Scarpelli. On the motion of Councilor Scarpelli, seconded by Vice President Carviello. Any questions from the council? Any questions? No one has a hand up. Okay, on that motion, offered by Councilor Scarpelli, seconded by Vice President Carviello. Clerk Rodriguez, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Thank you, Councilor. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Good luck. Uh, while we're under suspension, Councilor Knight. It's 26-4. 6639? No, uh, 643. It's a long agenda. There's a lot of pages. Okay. Notice of public hearing 20 639, City of Medford. Notice of a public hearing. A public hearing will be held by the Memphis City Council via Zoom on Tuesday evening, December 8, 2020, a link to be posted no later than Friday, December 4, 2020 at 7 p.m. Oh, I'm on the wrong one. I apologize. That's page four. It's page five. That's right, right under that. I went to the middle of page five. Okay, notice of a public hearing, 20-643, tax hearing, legal notice, notice of a public hearing, City of Medford. Public hearing will be held by the Medford City Council via Zoom on Tuesday, December 8, 2020 at 7 p.m. A link to this meet, uh, hearing will be posted no later than Friday, December 4, 2020. The purpose of the hearing is to hear the Board of Assessors on the following items for the purpose of allocation of the fiscal year 2021 property tax. Number one, to determine the residential factor to be used for fiscal year 2021. Number two, select an open space discount. Number three, select a residential exemption. Number four, select a small commercial exemption. Call 781-393-2501 for any aids and or accommodations. TDD 781-393-2516. 
The City of Medford is an EEO AA504 employer. For additional information, contact the Office of the City Clerk at 781-393-2425 by order of the Medford City Council. Adam Herdebees, City Clerk, advertised in the Medford transcript November 26, 2020 and December 3rd, 2020. And we met earlier tonight uh, in our committee, the whole meeting to discuss uh, the, um, the tax rate. And we have our Chief Assessor with, here tonight, with us tonight, uh, Ellen Burdell. And Ellen, if you would like to, uh, I'm trying to unmute you right now, Ellen. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Good evening, councilors. Um, President Falco. If, if I if I may, Ellen, really quick. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. So be, I have to do an administrative thing, uh, something first. So uh, uh, at this point, I would open uh, this. Uh, to this hearing in favor of those uh, those in favor of the petition uh, Ellen would you like to speak on this certainly um, tonight's hearing is a requirement of mass general law that the city council um, determine the tax policy for the city of Medford by either keeping a single tax rate or do, or doing a split tax rate um, splitting between residential, commercial, industrial, personal property. In addition, you also need to vote whether or not to adopt a residential exemption and whether or not to adopt a small commercial exemption as well as an open space exemption. Thank you very I, much. So you're speaking in favor of the paper? That's correct. Thank you. Uh, is there anyone else that would like to speak in favor of the paper? Uh, Will Navar, uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. President. Can we have your name and address for the record? If I may, Mr. President. Actually, Will, one minute, please. Council Knight. I think it might make sense for us to um, outline what votes we took in the subcommittee meeting earlier in the evening um, so that the people understand what it is that they are either opposed or against. Right now, it's are you opposed to a paper that would determine a residential factor? Are you opposed to a paper that would select an open space discount? I don't think that that's really a very... Uh, indicative of what is actually on the table. I think um, it might be better off said if, um, you know, we had a little breakdown as to what each of these four items meant um, and what the council voted on in the subcommittee meeting uh, so that we could move forward in that regard. Okay. Uh, Ellen, do you want to speak to those points? Certainly. Um, again, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going back through. So, to speak to the first point of a... I may. I think, I mean, ultimately the council voted in subcommittee to determine that um, we would adopt the lowest residential factor, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the issue before us is whether or not we want to, uh, people are in favor of us adopting the lower res lowest residential factor or, or having a single tax rate, yeah. right? And I mean, I think that's as simple as the explanation goes. I know when we get into the residential exemption in the small commercial exemption, the explanation might be a little bit further than that, but a brief synopsis I think would be, would be warranted. But okay. we, don't, we don't need to get into, you know, the law books on it. Okay. Oh, if you'd like to give a brief synopsis on each of those points. Uh, so maybe we go through the votes that we took, the council voted to do this, that, the council voted, and then Alan can explain what that means. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I can very quickly and briefly say city council selecting the minimum residential factor 
of the 91.2072 will provide a split to the maximum, providing the best benefit for res the residential properties in Medford. Councilor is that good? Sounds good to me, Mr. Okay, President. Okay, thank um, you very much. Yeah. Next point, uh, to, to select an open space discount. Do you want to talk to that? Certainly, there's, um, it's a, basically a new point. There is no properties classified as open space in the city of Medford. So there's no point for the city to adopt an open space exemption. Thank you. Next point is a residential exemption. Okay, so the residential exemption is a shift within the residential class from the higher prop valued properties to the lower valued properties. Um, the shift occurs within that residential class by giving any owner occupied property, regardless of their value, an exemption, but it shifts, it increases the tax rate. Therefore, there becomes a break even point, and the break even point I calculated for fiscal 21 would be any property valued over 727,400. So you are allowed to do a residential shift within uh, an exemption within the shift within that category however um the the big caveats to that is it requires an annual application we have not um the city council has not approved this in the past it's something that we should be looking at in the springtime so that residents can apply prior to the generation of a third quarter tax bill and I, I'm not sure I, I can clarify that more if that, if that would help City Council. Uh, point of I, just, I do believe the, it was not recommended by the administration to adopt such at this point in time. That's correct. Okay. It is not recommended. Point of information, Councilor Scarpelli. I know something we did say we will visit in March yes. with Ellen and this administration's uh, council to see if it's something as we move forward with the numbers increasing. So wanted to add that, Mr. President. Yes, thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. And uh, Ellen, thank you for uh, that. Uh, your comments on the uh, residential exemption. Did you want to speak to this uh, small commercial exemption? Yeah. So the small commercial exemption provides an exemption for commercial value properties under a million dollars with 10 employees or less. Um, when I reviewed the database, we had 241 properties that are under the million dollars in the commercial class. The um, the benefit of that doesn't typically help the small business owner because the small business owner that as occupies that space typically isn't the owner of the property. They're just the owner of the business. So again, um, not many communities in Massachusetts offer this. A city council was very, very generous with adopting a small personal property exemption earlier this year, and that assisted small business owners. So at this point in time, again, small a small commercial exemption um it would probably not be the best time to do this okay thank you very much okay uh good? so let's see uh will uh will navar thank you for waiting patiently you wanted to speak in favor of this well uh, yes, sorry about that. No worries. And, uh, thank, I want to thank Adam Knight for, for, for giving me a chance to hear that explanation. That was, that was helpful. Um, William Navarre, 108 Medford Street, Apartment 1B. 
Uh, on the residential factor, what I want to say is this. In the past few years, Medford has adopted the lowest residential factor available. It sounds like you're going to do that again this time. Such a policy has the pro that it reduces the tax burden on residential property owners, but has the con that it increases the burden on commercial development. I think if we're worried about lack of commercial development, then we need to look into ways to reduce the tax burden when we do commercial development. I'm of course not suggesting you put the residential factor at one today. That'd clearly be insane because it got pandemic and that'd be a tax hike for residential owners. But ultimately, this desire for high commercial growth and high commercial taxes is a contradiction that needs to be resolved. It's a tough political and technical question that needs answering. And the owner-occupied exemption, um, it sounds like you're going to keep that at zero, and I think that is good policy. Because an owner-occupied exemption will encourage people who plan to live in a house to offer more money for it. So the benefit goes to the incumbent owners who will sell for higher prices rather than those buying. It'll also increase rental housing costs because renters will have to pay owners more money to dissuade owners selling the apartment to owner-occupiers. In other words, that'd be a pro-condo um, conversion measure. It would encourage condo conversions, I think. The latter aspect raises clear equity concerns because more vulnerable populations tend to rent, and if we start to push them into buying with this policy, that, that will uh, vulnerable populations tend to pay higher interest rates on their mortgages due to, you know, if you make less money, you pay a higher interest rate, and also there's discrimination concerns, etc. So I think it's important we stick with not doing the residential exemption. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Is there anybody else that would like to speak in favor, in favor of the proposal? Okay, uh, I believe this is Andrew Castagnetti. Andrew, we're trying to unmute you right now. Oh, there you go. Andrew, name and address for the record, please. Good evening, counselors. Can Hi. you hear me, please? Yes, we can hear you. Great. I'm Andrew Castagnetti, Method, Massachusetts. It's nice to see you all back in the city hall chambers. <laughs> nice. in, uh, not in Ohio. But when can we, the taxpayers come attend in person, sir? You know? We're trying. Got to get through the COVID. Thank you. Anyways, welcome back to the new abnormal. Thank you for your attention. I'll be very brief. I'm here for the 10th year <laughs> to ask well, you in the mirror to lower our real estate tax bills for owner-occupied homeowners. It's not a hard thing to do, but we the people simply adopt Mass General Law Chapter 59, Section 5C at the full 35% exemption. This act will lower the average owner-occupied real estate tax bill by $2,000 yearly in 02155, as it is being done in Chelsea, Everett, Malden, Cambridge, and even in all of Boston. So why not here? <clears throat> this Massachusetts state law has been applied for over 28 years 
times an average of, let's say, $1,000 a year equals over $28,000 in total lost savings and overcharge by this city's against the average owner-occupied homeowner if they live in their home. <clears throat> so why not here? Furthermore, the city will still receive the full total real estate tax levy that the city demands because the law states that our tax savings is simply shifted and added to all of the absentee residential apartment building owners from one unit to 350 unit buildings. It is a commercial business enterprise. Furthermore, these owners mostly don't live or vote in our city. Imagine this, even our Massachusetts state politicians had a touch of heart to relieve some of our real estate tax payments when they copied California's Proposition 13 law. So why not here? Because after all, we owner-occupied homeowners have a vested interest and take pride in improving our city, I think. Also, this would help renters to become first-time home buyers in Medford with lower real estate tax bills if they live in the home. So please, I ask again, why not here stop the discrimination and help us adopt the owner-occupied real estate tax exemption under state of Massachusetts law for method homeowners only if they actually live in their house, of course. It is 28 years long overdue, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Mr. Cassinetti. Would anyone else like to speak in favor? Okay, seeing, and hearing, uh, seeing and hearing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Would anyone like to, like to speak in opposition? Would anyone like to speak in opposition of the petition? Seeing and hearing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. The councilors have any questions? Council Knight. Motion to adopt the lowest residential factor to be used for FY2021, Mr. President. On that motion. Offered by Council Knight, seconded by. Second, Mr. President. Council Scott Pelly. Council Marks. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. President. And um, uh, I appreciate the comments by uh, uh, Mr. Navar that uh, regarding the residential factor and you know some of what he mentioned if not all uh, is completely on track that we heard tonight from uh, the city assessor that uh, method is a desirable community because we have such a low residential tax rate and therefore people want to come into the community and buy property because we have such uh, a great uh, you know low tax rate and on the flip side, Mr. President, uh, commercial business uh, may not see fit to come to our community because of uh, the extremely uh, aggressive and high tax rate. And uh, when we uh, do the 
the, the split rate, which we've been doing for years, uh, we've always shifted, uh, and I voted for it, we've always shifted the burden from uh, the residents to commercial, saying, well, they're a commercial business and you know they should pay more in the community. And I agree with that, Mr. President. But I think you get it to a point where um, the burden on the commercial, Mr. President, is having an impact on the community. And when you see the percent of um, property in our community by uh, value by class, um, almost 90% of the percent of levy that we derive from our um, income is uh, for residential property, 90%. And then the commercial industrial make up 8.72%. So you can, you can see over the years the shift we're, we're losing a lot of the commercial base, which we rely on now because they pay a much higher tax rate and we're gaining more residential, which pays a lower. And at some point, we as a community are gonna make a tough decision and say, we don't have enough of this commercial that we've been shifting the burden to, to support our budget. And I, I think that's gonna be the question, Mr. President, uh, that we're gonna have to answer to eventually. And I think it's creeping around sooner than we uh, expect, Mr. President. Um, the numbers, if you look at the single tax rate, which we haven't supported since I've been on the council, if you look at the single tax rate, so that would be one tax rate for both commercial and residential, um, uh, an average single family would pay $6,326. And the average commercial business would pay 14707 so that's with one tax rate for both sides. Then you look at it, Mr. President, and if you were gonna do a split rate, which we currently do, at 115%, the average single family would pay 6,215, and the average commercial would pay 6,915. Then if you fast forward that into what we currently do is a split rate um, with 175% shift, the average single family pays 5,768, so you can see it's decreased, and the average commercial pays 25,737. So they went with uh, the single tax rate from 14,000 for commercial up to 25,000. And then if you split the rate uh, at 115%, they went from 16,000 to 25,000. Those are huge jumps, Mr. President. And if you look at, if, if we were to reverse this a little bit and look at shifting the burden uh, to uh, residential, um, the average single family at 175, uh, um, at the uh, single family rate, the single rate would pay 6,000 and at the split rate would pay 6,215. The, the, the difference really, if we sat down, started going through this, um, because you're shifting it over so many different properties, it's not as big as the commercial side. And you know, I know it's not a popular thing to say, but if we're really serious about keeping commercial in this city, uh, Mr. President, and expanding the commercial tax base, I think we have to take a look at it at some point. And sometimes, you know, officials have to stand up and take uh, tough votes, Mr. President. But I think it's something we have to look at. And um, you know. Uh, it's probably not going to be this time, but I think next year I would request, Mr. <coughs> President, that we uh, have meetings a month or two prior to uh, the budget meeting, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the tax vote meeting, 
so we could start looking at the residential factor, so we could start looking at uh, the uh, residential exemption um, that has been discussed about uh, by uh, area residents, Mr. President, and give us enough lead time to make some informed decisions uh, rather than tonight, which uh, most of us, to be quite honest with you, um, uh, you know, our hands are tied. I hate to say it, our hands are tied because this is based on the budget that we put forward and, you know, it is what it is. Um, so I would ask, Mr. President, under the leadership of yourself or whoever uh, is the council of uh, Vice President Caviel is the next president, that we have uh, meetings uh, well in advance to when we set the tax rate so we can discuss some of the issues, Mr. President, as, as we heard tonight. I always thought that the tax rate was due at the end of January. We heard you can vote on it to have it done at the end of June, which gives you another six months of uh, additional um, growth that you could use in a time of recession, like we're seeing now, that's six months that could add some new growth onto it and give us some additional revenue. And that's the lead time I think we need as a council to start discussing this. Um, and. Uh, I'm prepared to vote on this tonight, Mr. President, but I think, uh, you know, we have to take a long, hard look at how we uh, average out the property uh, in our community and see if it makes sense to continue to shift the way we're shifting if we're really serious about keeping a commercial base uh, in this community. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Councilor Beers. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you to Councilor Marks, uh, Mr. Navarre, and um, to all my colleagues. You know. What we're talking about here are different ways of adjusting the distribution of the taxes that we currently assess on the community. We've done the same thing for a long time, and we've seen some negative externalities on the commercial side especially that I think a lot of people don't like. Um, so I think it is time to reassess. Uh, another piece of this, though, is you know the amount that we have to spend as a city on city services, which, as we all know, is too low, that every department is understaffed, our schools and every city department doesn't have the resources it needs. And I think in addition to exploring the residential factor and, and also I think the residential exemption, there may be a combination of these tools with the distribution and the tools at our disposals to increase revenue that would allow us to have a just distribution for the people of Medford, commercial and residential both, property owners, as well as raising the revenue that we need, as I mentioned, and I, I essentially mentioned this uh, during our budget conversation in June, uh, to increase the revenue that we have for city services so that we can provide to the people of Bedford the services that they deserve. Um, and I think that's a conversation that's long overdue. Um, so I hope that uh, that is part of the conversations around the tax rate and the budget. We can have an honest conversation about the unmet needs uh, of our community when it comes to city services as well as the distribution of the tax assessment. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Beers. And uh, we discussed in our committee the whole earlier tonight about having a um, uh, committee the whole meeting in March to kind of kick that off and talk about different options and to talk about um, the residential exemption and, and, and other issues. So um, in March, we'll be talking more about those topics, just to let you know. Um, okay, so there was a motion on the floor, and that motion was offered by Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli, and the motion was, can you read that again, Councilor, uh, Councilor Clerk Hardabies? 
the motion was to adopt the lowest uh, residential factor uh, possible to be used in 2021, which uh, is 91.2072, I believe. That is correct, Ellen, that's correct, right? Thumbs up, okay. Yes. Okay, perfect. On that motion, Clerk Hardeby's, please call me. <coughs> Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven, the affirmative is here on the negative. The motion passes. Can you uh, turn your microphone, Councilor Knight, just so we can? Motion to adopt an open space discount. Okay, on the motion of Council Knight to adopt an open space discount, and that's seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Clark Hernandez, please call the roll. Motion to adopt an open space discount. Council Bears. No. Vice President Carvey. No. Council Knight. No. Council Marks. No. Council Morrell? No. Council Scarpelli? No. President Falco? No. Zero in the affirmative, seven in the negative. The motion fails. Council Morrell? Thank you, Mr. President. Um, before we take the vote on the owner occupied exemption, I, I do want to um, just share that I very much support this. I do think it's something that Medford very much needs. Um, based on the uh, presentation we had earlier tonight in the Committee of the Whole, as far as Ellen recommending that if Medford were to adopt this, um, it needs to be done earlier in the year so residents can actually benefit from this and apply for the, uh, this. So I'm going to be voting no tonight, but I do very much believe that Medford would benefit from an owner-occupied exemption. And I look forward um, to a future presentation um, from Ellen on this more in depth and uh, more conversation around this. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Morrell. Motion to adopt a residential exemption. And the motion of Godzilla Bears to adopt it, uh, to select a, I'm sorry, adopt a residential exemption. Second and by. Second and by. Second. Godzilla Scarpelli. Mr. President, Hardy. before you call the roll. Yes, Clerk Hardy, uh sorry, Godzilla Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I, I just want to clarify um, that last year when we discussed the uh, residential exemption, Yes. And I know Mr. Castanetti has been a stalwart regarding this. Uh, he says 10 years. I think he's been talking about this for 20 years, or at least it seems 20 years. <laughs> it's been talking about so long, Mr. President. Um, last year when we discussed it, I think Councilor Knight brought up the fact that uh, the numbers uh, that we received uh, that were the break-even point for assessments over, I think it was 640,000, Councilor Knight mentioned, was a little over 2,000 households mm -hmm. that were owner-occupied, that lived in their home, if we voted for residential exemption because their property was assessed at over a certain amount of money, which was the break-even point, they would still have to pay a higher tax rate. And we were told there were about 2,000 properties uh, in the community. That was last year. And that's a number I've been monitoring over the years because I think we as a council, I won't speak for anyone else, uh, said if the numbers were falling, meaning that there were less and less people that fell in this range uh, that were the exception to the rule, that we may see favorable to vote on this and provide a, a, a property tax, a residential exemption. We heard tonight, Mr. President, from the city assessor that they're saying now there's over 
4,000 properties that are above the break-even point, Mr. President. And in addition, out of the 4,000, 1,300 properties uh, of uh, people that are over the age of 60, which are seniors in our community. Um, so these numbers are, are very staggering, Mr. President, and there may have been a discrepancy over the years, uh, as we heard from the city assessor, and I won't put words in her mouth, that uh, they may have not been counting uh, every type of property. So they may have been just looking at single families and not um, uh, uh, condos or two families or multifamilies. Um, so th this, num this number, in my opinion, is a little alarming uh, that there's so many people that would fall out of the range of uh, residential exemption. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, discussions possibly uh, in March uh, regarding um, actually taking a closer look at this and seeing if these are the true numbers. I think the city assessor um, made a commitment that she would revisit these numbers to see if they're true and accurate. But I just want Mr. Castanetti and others to know that we do monitor this, we do keep an eye on this, um, and the numbers have fluctuated. And in this case, uh, they fluctuated in a way that, um, you know, I, I couldn't support at this particular point. There's just too many people, Mr. President, that would be impacted by this. Um, and I think the good outweighs the bad in this, Mr. 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 President. President. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Councilor Beers. I just also want to add um, that it would be great to get figures. We have kind of estimates right now. I think we, if we had that historical data, it would present a much clearer picture, as Councilor Marks indicated. Um, but the flip side is that there are as many as 11,000 properties that could benefit. Um, so. It's definitely a difficult decision. That's our job is to make difficult decisions, but I think it's important that we talk about costs and benefits um, as well. Um, probably many seniors who are in that 11,000. Um, so we really need to have the facts in front of us to make an informed decision on the residential exemption. Thank you. Thank you. On, Council yeah, And just on Council Marx's point, Mr. President, um, looking at the math and the numbers that were put up before us this evening, um, that 4,000 households looks like it represents about almost a quarter of the community. Um, so that would be one in four paying more, even though they're owner-occupied. Um, and I think that's very important to point out. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? You can only make good decisions with good data. And mm -hmm. um, that's what we need to focus on. You are correct. So on the uh, motion of Councilor Beers, seconded by Councilor Scott Kelly, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Councilor Beers. No. Vice President Carabiello. Councilor Knight. No. Councilor Marks. No. Councilor Morales. No. Councilor Scott No. President Falcon. No. Zero in the affirmative, seven in the negative motion. Fails. Motion to adopt a small commercial exemption. Second. On the motion of Councilor Knight to adopt a small commercial exemption, and that is seconded by Councilor Beers. Clark Herdebees, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. No. Vice President Carabino. No. Councilor Knight. No. Councilor Marks. No. Councilor Morrell. No. Councilor Scarpelli. No. President Falcon. No. Is there any affirmative? Seven in the negative. The motion fails. Mr. President, while we're under suspension, motion to take paper 20-639. In one minute, before we conclude, I just want to thank for, uh, everyone for the help. I want to thank Ellen Bordeaux and Alicia Nunley Benjamin for your help during the uh, committee of the whole meeting this evening for answering all of our questions. Uh, we greatly appreciate your hard work with regard to this. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you. Uh, Councilor Pierce. A motion to take paper 2639 under suspension. 2639. It's right above or on the prior page to the tax. Yes. Area. Notice of a public hearing. 20-639, City of Medford. Notice of a public hearing. A public hearing will be held by the Medford City Council via Zoom on Tuesday evening, December 8, 2020. A link to be posted no later than Friday, December 4, 2020 at 7 p.m. on a petition by Adam LaRusso of Last Night Tattoo Studio, 507 High Street, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155 for a special permit to conduct a body art establishment in accordance with the City of Medford Zoning Ordinances, Chapter 94 of Section 94-2 and Section 94-148, use, use 14A to operate its business at 507 High Street, Medford, Massachusetts, a C1 Commercial 1 Zoning District. Petition and plan may be seen in the Office of the City Clerk, Medford City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, uh, 781-393-2425, Zoom link to be posted on the City Council agenda on December 4th, 2020 on the City of Medford website. Call 781-393-2501 for any accommodations. AIDS TDD 781-393-2516. The City of Medford is an EEO AA 504 employer by order of the City Council. Adam L. Herdeby, City Clerk. This was advertised in the Medford transcript on November 19th and November 26th, 2020. At this point, I declare the public hearing open, open to those in favor of the petition. Would anybody like to speak in favor of the petition? Okay, uh, we'll start off with uh, Adam LaRusso. Uh, Adam, I'm trying to unmute you right now. Oh, there we go. If I could just have your name and address for the record, and if you could uh, give us a brief statement as to why you are in favor of the petition. Sure, uh, my name is Adam LaRusso. I'm living at 18 Preble Street in Boston. So I'm the one that filed the petition. I just want to thank the city council for hearing me tonight. Um, so what I'm looking to do at 507 High Street is open up a private tattoo studio. I think it's important to point out that what I'm looking to do is not a typical tattoo shop, but a private appointment only um, tattoo studio. And this would be to the degree that uh, even the door would be locked unless you have an appointment, you would come in and other than that, no public. Um, so it had very little impact um, on any walking traffic um, and it would be a very small scale operation. Um, and I did want to uh, address that I know that tattoo shops typically have a certain uh, stigma, a certain connotation. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I was available to answer any questions from anyone uh, that might come about because of this. Okay, thank you very much. At this point, I'd ask, um, Anyone else in favor of the petition that would like to speak? Okay, we have Colin Burgoyne. I'm just gonna try to unmute you. Uh, name and address uh, for the you. record. Uh, Colin Burgoyne uh, at 161 George Street in Medford. Uh, mostly the owner of Colleen's uh, ice cream shop here in Medford. And I just wanted to speak um, to Adam LaRusso. He's been a personal friend of mine, um, but more than that, you know, just really, uh, Proud of the work he's done as an artist. Um, you know, he's one of the best young artists we have in the city. Uh, he has signed on to do some mural work with us, and um, I commissioned a few pieces uh, for ourselves. 
and we just um, we really support uh, him being able to open up his shop here in Medford after being in the business for so long in Cambridge and in, you know in Somerville. Uh, I think it's great that he's come back home to uh, set up shop. Colin, thank you very much. Okay, those in favor, we have uh, Reverend Wendy. I'm gonna try to unmute you. If you could give us your name and address for the record and if you could tell us why you're uh, in favor of the petition. Thank you, President Falco and uh, City Council. Um, my name is Wendy Miller Olapade, Reverend Wendy Miller Olapade. I am a resident at 105 Brook Street and a uh, fellow uh, shopkeeper, if you will, in West Medford Square. So I have a brief letter that I'd like to share for the record. I sent it earlier, but I was late for the deadline. So I am in support of um, artist Adam LaRusso's application to open a body art studio in West Medford. Uh, he and the studio that he intends to open, I'm sure will be a brilliant addition to our city and specifically West Medford's neighborhood business and art scene. I've known Mr. LaRusso for five years and have interacted with him as pastor and one of his spiritual guides, as the facilitator of a deeply inspirational art experience when his work, his paintings were installed at our gallery uh, as a partner in building beloved community, which I've watched him do in the art scene and with other colleagues, and as a very satisfied and safely held recipient of one of his beautiful pieces of art, which is on my forearm here. Uh, in addition to bringing these um, kinds of commitments to our city, Mr. LaRusso is a gifted, celebrated, and inspirational painter, an active member of the Boston area art community, an invested co-op studio member, and has actually achieved acclaim as one of Boston's most highly regarded and sought after artists. He is considered one of the top artists in our area. He and his family have been active members of the Medford community for generations, and his family values that I can attest to and their investment in Medford is a grounding influence in the manner in which he invests in his clients and in his business model. I'm confident knowing him as I do that his studio will be a bright spot in our city and will attract great energy to our neighborhood. So thank you for your attention. I highly support having him be here. Thank you very much. Would anyone else like to speak in favor of the petition? Okay, hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed.